while it's 2021, 2020 is behind us. And chances are you are setting some goals or resolutions or intentions or whatever you want to call it for this year. If you're a stepmom, you may also be thinking about ways you can minimize your stepfamily's stress and or improve your relationships this year. If so, I have something for you. I just released a free ebook with 16 questions that stepmoms craving change need to ask themselves. As Dr. Phil says, you can't change what you don't acknowledge. And this is such a great time to do an audit on your stepfamily life so you can set the foundation to improve things in 2021. Yes, you heard me. You need to set the foundation for change. Now, if you're content feeling overwhelmed, like you have no control of your life, damned if you do, damned if you don't, like you don't know your place, like your stepfamily stressors are consuming your life and driving a wedge in your marriage and are fine in a high conflict co-parenting situation, you just keep doing what you're doing. But if you are ready to feel happier, confident, and more in control amongst the extra stress, download your copy at www.jamiescrimshaw.com forward slash stepmom audit. That's www.jamiescrimshaw.com forward slash stepmom audit. Hello, hello, guys. I am freaking jacked for this episode. Welcome to the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. It is the first episode of 2021. And wow, I am just, I'm so excited about this year. I really, really am. And for a few reasons. First thing, I think we all learned a lot of lessons in 2020. And, you know, all of the hardships really helped us get clear on what we want, what we want to focus on, what we don't want. And now it's time to implement those lessons in life. Seriously, if you have not thought about it, I want you to stop and ask yourself, what did I learn in 2020? And how is that going to shape how I show up in 2021? Don't let those lessons go to waste. Yes, we are getting into it right away this year. There's going to be no fluff. So the second reason I am jacked for this year is I'm amping things up in the exclusive stepmom community. If you're not familiar with the community, it is my private membership for stepmoms who are looking for next level stepmom support, conversations on a platform that is entirely off of social media. So this year, in addition to the private forum, the live calls, the exclusive interviews with experts, the unfiltered conversations, the tell-all podcast episodes that I don't share anywhere else, we are adding in some more of the personal development content journal prompts, life hacks, strategies that will improve all areas of your life. And here's why. As I said in my ebook, 101 Ways to Be a Kick-Ass Stepmom, being a better stepmom doesn't come from resources on how to be a stepmom. It comes from becoming confident and secure in who you are, improving your relationships and communication strategies, setting boundaries, and straight up becoming confident in how you are showing up in life. If you want change, it starts with you and it starts with working on yourself. So we've added that to the content in the community. It is so good. It is so exciting. And we've also added a little digital magazine to the membership. So each month you'll receive an online publication with some articles and strategies and real talk to support you and showing up as your best. In this month's edition, my husband, Darren, actually wrote an article for stepmoms with his tips and what he wants you to know if you want to improve your stepfamily life this year. It is so good. And uh, yeah, so if you are a member, you can get all of this in the community. And if you're not, I highly recommend joining the community. And I'm not just saying that because I created it, but 
because this year my goal is for everyone in this community to look back on 2021 as the year that everything changed. Plus, I love connecting with all of you in the private forum. So you can find me in the Ask Jamie section. I am there to support you when you need it. You can ask me questions. I like to check in over my morning coffee. Guys, this platform is exactly the type of support that I wish I had when I first married Darren and became a stepmom. So www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash membership if you want the details. Third reason why I'm pumped for this year is basically I just love a fresh planner and a notebook and a new start and a new calendar year. And while I know that things don't just change when the clock turns or the year changes, there is a lot of negativity around this year and around, well, not this year, around 2020. And rightfully so. It was a shit show for so many reasons. And I think that so many of us can benefit from the mindset that comes with feeling like you get a fresh start. And today's episode fits in with the whole new year, new beginning mindset. I am so pumped. Today, I am interviewing Jen Sincero, New York Times bestselling author, success coach, speaker, and straight up badass woman who is all about taking control of your life. Everyone always asks me my favorite personal development books and hers are always on the list. Specifically, You Are a Badass, How to Stop Doubting Your Greatness and Start Living an Awesome Life, and You Are a Badass at Making Money, Master the Mindset of Wealth. Those are two of my all-time favorite books. She also just released a new book, Badass Habits, which is just as good. I've read it once, and I'm now working my way back through it with pen and a journal. It is just, guys, I highly recommend Her books have been part of my morning routine for a couple years now, and I'm not blowing smoke when I say that her blunt, to-the-point, kick-in-the-ass style has inspired a lot of the changes that I've made in my life over the last few years. Jen and her work have appeared in a variety of media outlets, including New York Times, Dr. Oz Show, Oprah Magazine, Success Magazine, Money Magazine, Forbes, Fast Company, Bloomberg, Cosmo, and The Howard Stern Show, and more. In this episode, Jen shares how she went from a struggling freelance writer living in a converted garage in an alley to a New York Times bestseller traveling the world with a successful global brand. We talk about what Jen did to change her life, how our belief about money and who we are affect our success, what it really takes to meet goals and create lasting change, what's holding most people back and the importance of setting boundaries and how that relates to creating habits that stick. Guys, I am so incredibly honored to have Jen on my podcast. And before we get to this episode, I want to tell you something. I have a list of dream podcast guests that we reach out to fully expecting crickets. But you don't know if you don't try, and if you want to take things to the next level in your life, you need to get out of your comfort zone and just be okay with getting a big, fat no. Jen Sincero was on the list of dream guests. I also just scheduled another dream guest that was on this list. And I'm going to tell you more about that in a few weeks, but I'm telling you this because I want to remind you just freaking go for it. Okay. So I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. Please check out Jen Sincero at her website, www.jensincero.com. I will link it in the description. You can check out her list of best-selling books. She also has lots of coaching programs And if you're listening and you're loving this podcast, do me a favor, share it out on social, 
tag at Jen Sincero, at Jamie Scrimger. You guys spreading the word is what helps this podcast grow and will help us continue to get badass guests like Jen Sincero on the show. Love you guys. Thank you for all the support. Let's make 2021 the year we level up, crush our goals, and stop playing small. Welcome to the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. I'm Jamie Scrimger, wife, mom, stepmom, life coach, conversation opener, and BS caller. Seven years ago, I found myself sitting on the bathroom floor with a glass of wine, bawling my eyes out, wondering what the heck I was thinking, marrying a man with three kids and an ex-wife. Don't get me wrong, I was madly in love, the kids were great, but as a 26-year-old with zero experience in the parenting department, I was in over my head. When I went to the internet for support, I was disappointed with what I found. So I decided to create the type of support that I was looking for. Raw and real conversations about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. Life can be hard, really freaking hard, but each week I'll bring you tips and strategies and mindset shifts to help you thrive amongst the tough stuff in life. My goal is to inspire you to live your version of a kick-ass life. We'll bring you along as I create my own. Let's do this. Jen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited for this conversation. If you knew how many times I referred to your books in the morning, I have a morning routine where I just kind of wake up and get my head on straight and do a little journaling before any little people say my name. Um, (laughs) You're definitely one of the top books that I refer to and I tell this community about. So I'm so excited to have you on. You are the best. Thank you so much. No problem. So, you know what? I was thinking, I'm like, where do I even start? But I thought maybe not quite at the beginning, but you went from a struggling freelance writer. You were living in a garage that was a converted garage in an alley, is what your book said. And now you're a <laughs> New York Times bestseller, internationally known speaker, coach, traveling the world. Why don't we start there? Because you talk about there's a moment in your life where you're like, yeah, something has to change. Can you kind of explain what happened there? You know, I think what happened with me happens with a lot of people where it's almost like an aha moment. I was thinking about this today. Like there was no like lightning bolt or suddenly I was like, I'm going to do it. I think if if, after hearing myself for literally decades complaining about being broke and not being able to afford the stuff I wanted to do and after a while I just I just couldn't take it anymore. It was almost like it just it just became too painful. So it wasn't one big blast moment where, you know, I almost got hit by a bus or discovered I, you know, something horrible was happening. It was more of a buildup. And, and I sort of refer it to an aha moment because it was something I kept hearing over and over and over. Like the phrase, I can't afford it. I heard over and over and over every day from my own mouth. And I think I just eventually couldn't take it anymore. So I started making little changes in the direction that I wanted to go. And the more I made those little changes, the more serious I got and the more of a, of a concrete decision I made to do whatever it takes. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, for sure. And, mm. you know, part of that change for you, you were, you invested in yourself. You, mm-hmm. was it a conference that you invested in or coaching? Oh my gosh. Well, considering the fact that my whole deal was around being broke, the idea of actually investing in myself was terrifying. Like, so against 
my penny pinching, scrimping, you know, just constantly in terror about money. So it was a huge leap for me. And what, you know, I started investing, gosh, I guess, yes, going to seminars on money and, um, and then, you know, coaches would get up on stage and talk about their stuff. And then at one of those seminars, which were not cheap for me, you know, a coach got up there and she specialized in helping women entrepreneurs with their finances and spoke directly to me is at least that's what it felt like. And she had a coaching program that was literally one third of my annual income. And I just knew that she could help me. And I was absolutely petrified, but I had made the decision to do whatever it took. And so I put it on a credit card and started working with her. And that's when stuff really started shifting for me. I love that because I'm really big in investing in myself too. Every year, that's my gift I give myself. Every year I give myself something I'm investing in some sort of course or some sort of coaching Mm -hmm. to help me take it to the next level. And, you know, I hear a lot, people will say, well, I kind of feel like it's a waste of money or I feel selfish investing in that right now because, you know, the kids need this or the kids need that or You know, even self-help is kind of cheesy and embarrassing and corny sometimes, right? Like Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, it does have that rep. But what what do you say to someone who feels that way about investing in themselves? Because there is still this stigma about coaching and support and personal development. Right. You know, what's so interesting is I realized I still have shame around woo-woo stuff. Like I always apologize. Like, okay, I'm going to get really woo-woo with you guys. And I'm like, okay, this year I'm going to knock that off because- I do that too. Right? It's, I mean, I have built a fabulous career on it and I'm still icked out by it. And I was like, okay, you know what, witch, just get it together and knock it off. So I am fully embracing my woo-woo side and reclaiming it. And I've already started rebranding it. I don't know what my problem is, but there is something so corny about it, right? Yeah. Um, So I guess my first piece of advice is to get the hell over it because it works. So why apologize for any of that or feel shame around it? Um, And the other thing I want to just mention that I did talk about in one of my books is that Olympic athletes have coaches. They -hmm. don't stop working with coaches when they hit the Olympics. If anything, they probably work even more with a coach. So we all need, if we want to be our best, we all need help. We cannot do it on our own. And so there is no shame in, there should be shame about not investing in yourself as opposed to investing in yourself. Right. And, um, yeah. So, and the thing is, you know, if you feel guilty, you know, because of your kids and your family and whatever, um, other financial responsibilities you have, if you do what your coach says, and if you are serious about improving yourself, you're actually doing them all a favor in the long term. So, by not investing in yourself, you are actually doing them a disservice. 100%. Anyway, I was having this conversation with my husband the other day about coaches and stuff. And I said, well, you know, if you really look at it or even morning routines and, you know, the woo stuff that we still feel a little embarrassed about, if you read, you know, the books or, you know, listen to the interviews from all the most successful people in the world, for the, for the most part, they all have some sort of woo or mindset or gratitude practice or mm-hmm. personal development or coach. So I think well, they're all doing it and they're all killing it. So right. what, why are we, why are we feeling embarrassed? I'm actually really curious. Why are we like, is it because it's not science-based? Is it because it's too fluffy and quote unquote unproven? Meanwhile, we are on a ball in infinite space zipping through eternity. Like 
who decided that anything woo-woo, why does everything have to be based in, I don't even know based in what, like the whole experience of life is completely insane if you think about it for more than two seconds. So why not manifest the things that you think about and speak about all day long? Why well, yeah. not? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, I will say, and this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but I do think there right now, there's a lot of woo out there about mindset online and all of that. And there's not a lot of inspired action behind it. So I do think it's important to say like, you manifest, you practice gratitude, you, you, you know, be who you want to be, but you also need to do the work. Mm-hmm. So I think there might be a little bit of that, but I don't know. It's, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. Now in oh. your book, you are a badass at making money. You said, and, and this is, you know, to go on that, if I had spent the same amount of time and focus that I put into freaking out about not having money, cutting back on expenses, finding the deals, et cetera, I would have been driving a car with working windshield wipers years before I actually did. Mm. What did you mean by that? I get it, but I just want to, I, it's such an important point that I just want to hammer home for this community because it's so true. I think we often, when we're in fear, uh, put much more emphasis on cutting back and penny pinching rather than expansion and figuring out how we can make more and expand our realities instead of shrinking down and cutting back. And that's just, you know, getting deeper and deeper into our comfort zone and our familiarity zone, as opposed to taking a great leap forward. And I, and I also think there's, you know, there's some sort of societal pat on the back for that, that, you know, she's very, she's, she lives within her means. She, she, you know, is being very careful and frugal with her money. Like that scene as responsible, we're totally going for it can be seen as irresponsible. And, you know, and I'm not talking about going out and blowing all your money on shoes or, you know, just taking big irresponsible leaves, but, but stretching yourself and doing what it takes and investing in yourself that kind of stuff is terrifying and absolutely necessary if you're going to grow. So I just think that it's it's about overcoming your own fears around expansion and overcoming this sort of societal judgy wudginess around being quote unquote irresponsible. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think we spend a lot of time thinking about why not instead of why us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like just for freaking do it. How do you think our beliefs about money in our society affect our success? Because I do think there is this stigma about money that people need to get over. There, there's, it's almost like money is bad or money is mm-hmm. greedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there is such judgment around it. It's, it's really interesting because I think almost all of us suffer from a very push-pull relationship with money. And this is why actually in, in a couple of my books, I recommend writing a letter to money as if it's a person so that you can bust yourself on what the specifics of your relationship are with it. Because I think in our conscious minds, we're like, you know, if somebody offered us 10 grand, we'd be like, thank you. Yes, please. Um, you know, and talk about how, how fun it would be to make more money, how excited, you know, if you got a, a huge raise, you'd go around bragging to all your friends how excited you are. But then deep down, you've also got these feelings that desiring wealth is equivalent to greed, which it is not. Um, that rich people are, you know, horrible. They do horrible things to make their money and they do horrible things with it. That, um, you know, that it's, that, 
going after the unholy dollar means you'll do anything and compromise your morals. Like we've just got really negative things put on money and, and the desire for money when, you know, certainly there are people who do absolutely unspeakable things for money and that is real, but there are also people who do incredibly beautiful things for money and with their money. And I'm not quite sure why we focus on the bad stuff people do and, and the greed mongering and all that stuff when there is just as much, if perhaps maybe even more beautiful things that people do with money. Money is just a tool and, you know, the desire for more money is all about options and freedom. And what, you know, you, when you're out of struggle, you can be of so much more service. You can relax a little bit. You can have more fun. You can take care of the people around you better and yourself better. And so to have this negative stigma is so, it's, it's so crippling in so many ways. But I think the big problem is a lot of people don't really realize that they have it because in their conscious mind, they're all about the money. But mm -hmm. deep down, they've got all these judgments that we really are hammered with all the time. And it's so important. Like any other part of yourself that you want to develop, you've got to become aware of what your subconscious garbage is around it if you're really going to change it. Yeah, for sure. And so much of that story comes from our childhood too, right? Sure. What we were taught about money when we were kids. Because when I was going through your book and just kind of going through my money story and writing my letter and just thinking about the messages that I was given about money, it's like money doesn't buy happiness or there's never mm -hmm. enough or it could. Right. You know, my family went, uh, we we had tons of money growing up. And then all of a sudden, like, that's what it felt like as a, as a kid. And then my dad ended up going bankrupt. And we had no money and our water got shut off. And, you know, all of this and just how much that experience shaped the way that I was dealing with money now. And, you know, to bring it kind of back to my community, my community, you know, we talk about step parenting and there's child support and there's like all of this, this battles a lot of times in a lot of step families about money. Sure. All of those money stories come in, right? And that's, I think that's what makes a lot of the extra stress that comes with the co-parenting piece too, is if everyone, I feel like when everyone gets divorced, they should go do into their money story and, and do the work on that. But it is that belief but the other thing I wanted to talk about is the belief that money doesn't buy happiness. And I think you touched mm. on it there. Yes, money doesn't buy happiness, but I think it's a whole lot easier to be happy if you can get yourself out of situations that are stressful that comes from the lack of money. Totally. I mean, I've been broke and happy and rich and happy. And I'll tell you, rich and happy is a lot easier <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it just makes stuff easier. Of course, like there are many, many more important things on earth than money, but it just, it, again, it's options and freedom and options and freedom bring a lot of happiness with them, you know? All right. This one is for the coaches, entrepreneurs, creators, or anyone with a service-based business. So while supporting stepmoms is my jam, my true passion truly is sharing how I grew this online community and built a business doing what I love. When I started, I knew nothing, nothing about websites, nothing about social media, nothing about marketing, nothing about digital products, nothing about building a brand, nothing. Everything I know I have figured out on my own through online education and a lot of trial and error. 
For the last five years, I've consumed myself with online courses and Google searches and help desks and business podcasts. And doing so has helped me grow a loyal online community and build a purpose-driven business. And I want to help you get here too. I am so excited because I am kicking off 2021 with a coaching program for digital entrepreneurs. I want to show you how to position yourself as the expert in your online space, grow an email list and write email newsletters that people actually are excited to open, create social media content that your community actually engages with, create content that converts and moves your business forward make good money doing what you love, grow a loyal online community, come up and search, optimize your website for SEO, increase sales and sell products without feeling like a freaking slime ball. I want to show you how to cut the fat in your business and focus on what's moving you forward and create an individualized strategy that will take your business to the next level. So if you are ready, this is a four-week program loaded with information and strategies that you need if you want to do just that. In addition to four group calls, you also get a 60-minute one-on-one session with me, and I will do a brand audit on your website and social media and the opt-ins that you have and give you personalized feedback on how to level up. So if you're interested, head to www.jamiescrimshaw.com forward slash stop playing small to sign up. I am so pumped for this. This is going to change the game. You know, you say when you were making this transition yourself, one of the most profound things that you can do is change who you're being. So you literally were just like, I'm going to start to make more money. Like that was a decision that you made in your life. How did you start to act different, even though nothing in your environment had changed? I got really aware of my thoughts, beliefs, and words. And, you know, obviously actions. I was, I was in this, you know, getting coached within an inch of my life. And I was starting a new business and I was doing all the things I needed to do to get my income streams flowing. But I also started to become somebody different. So I I talk a lot about how where you place your focus is the reality you're going to see. So in the old days, before I had really started doing the work on myself, I placed my focus on the phrase, I can't afford it. And so I was looking for proof of that. And this is all subconscious, right? But I really believe I couldn't afford it. I believed I had no idea how to make money. I believed that I just wasn't one of those people who literally physically could. And, you know, the gigantic heap of other negative beliefs I had around me and money. But I was also proving it because I was always saying it. I was always believing it. And I have a whole thing actually in in my new book, The Habits Book, about how much we love to be right as humans because it makes us feel safe and secure. So I'm proving that I can't afford it. It's like, you know, when when you ask some, you know, if you're talking to a friend and you make a suggestion about a new diet, they can go on and be like, I can't lose weight. I've tried a million times. And it's like, we get grouchy and protective over the negative stories that are not causing us any joy because we need to be right more than we want to change. It's fascinating and terrifying. (laughs) That is so so true. So isn't it true? And so what, you know, one of the first things I did was change my story, even though I didn't really fully believe it. I couldn't really figure out how it was true. But I, every time I wanted to say, I can't afford it, I started saying money flows to me easily and freely. I forced myself to do it. And I have a whole way that I go about rewriting stories. But the most important thing is that it made me feel excited. Even though I didn't 100% believe it, it got, it just like, was so exciting to me. 
So then what naturally happened because of that is I started proving that money flows to me easily and freely. And what that did is it opened my perception up to opportunities where money could flow to me easily and freely. It, it, I started to allow money to come to me where I was literally energetically pushing it away by proving I can't afford it. So it's just, it's this simple shift. And I started, okay, if money's flowing to me easily and freely, I'm not looking for all the deals. I'm not spending all of my time focusing on why I can't have what I want. Instead, I'm going to start focusing on how I can create whatever it is I desire. So mm-hmm. my actions followed my thoughts, beliefs, and words. And I was also just hardcore serious. I was going to the spiritual gym. I was getting coaching. I was, you know, raising my rates. I was doing all the scary things. I was taking all the actions. But along with it was this, this like determined belief that I was changing who I was being. It was super duper important because if you make all these actions, if you change all your actions, but you don't really believe it, you're not really doing the foundational work, you're going to, you're going to fall backwards so quickly. 100%. And that's not just about money. That's about any habit that you want to change. But I do want to say, if you would have said all those things that you just said to me three years ago, about money and mindset and all of that, I would have thought, okay, whatever, right? Like I would kind of like rolled my eyes. And I went through your book, You Are a Badass at Making Money. And since implementing all of this mindset and just doing the work around it, like I have to say, and I want to share this with the community, like my my business has doubled this year because of this what? mindset piece. And I'm not, and and it's a weird thing to talk about because you don't want to talk about that kind of stuff, but I think people should, right? Like it really fully does when you do the work or, and do the mindset work for this stuff. Like it truly is crazy. So obviously thank you for that because it's a good book and it's funny. <laughs> um, by the way, guys, if you haven't read one of her books, you have the best way about talking about personal development and giving people the lessons and what they need to hear. And you know, straight shooting, you love a good cuss word. Like it's, it's honestly, the delivery is so good. So uh, thank Thank you for that. Now (laughs) let's talk about this book though. So you have a new book coming out. Well, it's out now it's out when we, when this podcast goes live, the book is out. So what inspired you to write this new book? Well, I figured that we had a couple of things. Um, You know, there's that phrase your, and I'm going to mess this up. Your thoughts create your beliefs, your beliefs, create your words, your words, create your actions and your actions, create your habits. So it's a, you know, I was like, okay, well, I've done all the other stuff. Now let's focus on habits because I haven't really focused on that yet. So I was just really excited to get that sort of last piece of the puzzle in there. You know, I actually had an online habits course years and years ago. And one of the things that I was really excited to bring to the whole area of habits was boiling things down into bite-sized nuggets and especially in a book. Like I was really excited to write Badass Habits because I I wanted people to get the information about habits, but I also wanted to make it almost like a course that while you're reading the book and while you're learning all this stuff about habits, you're implementing a new habit. So you're actually using the information that you're getting instead of just reading a big fat book on habits and then hopefully starting a new one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was really, it was sort of a fun opportunity to put my coaching hat on and coach people through the process as I'm explaining it. Yeah. And, you know, 
Can you share, so the first page of the book, which I thought was really funny, you're talking about how you decided to write this book about habits, and then you stop, and you're like, who the hell am I to write a book about habits? <laughs> and you talk about how we end up f- focusing on the negative, not all of the things mm. that we actually are doing really well. Can you elaborate on that? Because uh, I thought it was so good and so important. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, I really try to be as honest as possible, and I think that a big stopping block for a lot of people when you when you try to quit smoking again or you try to lose weight again or you try to meditate every day again is you're just like oh man like i i just i've tried this so many times you sort of start out with this you know you, you ramp yourself up but you're like i'm a total fraud like this i've tried this before when am i going to learn that i just suck at it and whatever so I just wanted to sort of relate to everybody on that level because of course I have it. I am human and I'm fallible and I screw up all the time, but I also knock it out of the park all the time like everybody else. So it really is a choice how you're going to go into it. And you can either focus on all the times you tried and temporarily failed, or you can just have a clean slate and a new day and be like, all right, here we go. I'm doing this differently. I'm absolutely serious this time and let's roll. So, cause I think we also have this sort of false perception that there, that maybe there's perfect people in the world. Does any grown up really still feel that way that there's actually perfect gurus out there in the world or anybody? Yeah, you know, I do I've, think, I think even, you know, as much as we try to be real of it on social media, I do think that there are people who believe that certain people on social media, when they're sharing their tips and their strategies and all that, have it together all the time. Like I do, I do think people believe that, but it's just not true. Like, it's like not, no one, no it just one. can't, I, it can't be true. Yeah. We're all just humans. So yeah, um, I don't think anyone has it together. And, you know, there are lots of things that we've all done really, really well. And we've all shit the bed so many times. And yeah, you just got to focus on the things you're doing well. And, you know, when you talk about habits in the book, you say one of the problems about habits is that we don't get on board emotionally and mentally. We're just focusing on the habit. What do you mean by that? Mm sort of what I was talking about with the with the money stuff, right? So if I had just gone out, you know, and they say that this is why people who win the lottery almost always end up losing all of the money. It's because the actions and the actual environment has changed, but their thinking and their belief of who they are hasn't. So they are still identifying as a broke person who doesn't know how to make money, who just unbelievably won the lottery. Because their beliefs system is still the same they don't hold on to the money because they don't believe that they really can have it somehow, that they're not the kind of person who could be rich. So I think when we start to change our habits, doing this foundational work is so critical because if you're, think about it, if you're somebody who wants to quit smoking, but you still identify as a smoker, then you're, then you're a smoker who's trying to quit smoking. If you instead start out with, okay, you know what? I am a non-smoker. I am a healthy person. I have pink, healthy lungs. I do things that are great for my body and quit smoking. That's a very different level that you're starting out from. Mm-hmm. You know, That's it's so really, it, yeah, it's a huge, huge piece. And I don't think a lot of us think about that when we try to change a habit, we're totally focused on the actions we take. And I think that is one of the main reasons that we don't stick with them. And, you know, that could apply to a relationships too, right? When people are trying to improve their relationships or, you know, 
their mm-hmm. step family life or their relationships with their partners or just whether they're successful in any area of their life. If, if you don't believe it, you don't believe mm-hmm. you deserve it. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. So you talk about boundaries in the book and you know, before I read this, I wouldn't have linked boundaries and habits together, but you have a really good point. So <laughs> what do you say to people who want to set boundaries but are concerned with how people in their life will react? And what what does this have to do with habits anyway? It's a great question because it is something that stops people dead in their tracks with any change in their lives, right? So how can I say this in under 45 minutes? So when you decide to lose weight, to get married, to make money, to make, if if you've always identified as somebody who doesn't do those things, and then you decide to make a big, exciting change in your life, it automatically upsets the people around you, often subconsciously, because you're shifting who you're being and you're changing your identity and you're basically killing off their pal. They know you as this other person and you've decided to change. So that freaks them out. And that's why they're all, you know, quote unquote, worried about you and telling you how it's not going to work and trying to hold you back, you know, under the guise of because they love you. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And also sometimes they'll make fun of you or, you know, whatever negative things they're going to do to you. And it's because they're in so much fear about it. You are also holding up a mirror to them saying, Hey, if I can do it and we're at the same level, then you can do it. And that is basically unsolicited advice. And people are very grouchy when you give them unsolicited advice when they're not ready for it. So the same, right. And so, and, and I, I am sure you've had this experience where when you've really grown, you've probably shed a few old friends who couldn't who couldn't step up and rise up and be happy for you. You know, we all shift and things change. That's just the way it is. So when it comes to setting boundaries, which are critically important for good habits, you know, it's going to piss a lot of people off probably because you're, you are putting yourself first, God forbid. You are being protective of the things you need in order for yourself to grow. And while it may be uncomfortable at first. The people who really value you and respect you and love you, well, not necessarily even love, but value you and respect you and are, are available to watch you grow, will figure it out sooner or later. The ones who then take it on as you're changing and killing my buddy and you're showing me how I could actually stand up for myself in a bigger, better way are going to get grouchy and pissed off. And you just have to make that choice. Like, what is more important? your growth as your one and only chance to be the you that is you on planet earth or staying small and shrinking so that the people around you don't get uncomfortable. Yeah. I love that. And you know, my next question was saying like, what do you want to say to people who want to change? They want to set these boundaries, but they're scared about how people in their life are going to react. And you know, the answer is you need to make a choice. You either, do you want to stay where you are and keep living the life that you're living or do you want to make a change? Like it, that, that really is what it is. And I, yeah. And I also talk about how you're responsible to other people. You're not responsible for them. And here's the other thing that I think is so interesting. When you set a solid boundary, it actually really benefits everybody around you because if you're wishy-washy, you know, and, and I'll say like, you also asked about how, like how boundaries affect habits. So if you have wishy-washy boundaries and you've decided that you're going to get up and run every morning, 
but you, you let, and it's really a lot of times about time, setting boundaries around your time, right? Cause you need time to do the stuff you need to do. Um, you may also need to put boundaries around negative talk and being hanging out with negative people. If you're quitting drinking, you might need to put a boundary up about going to bars and hanging out with people who are getting drunk all the time. So these boundaries that are making you healthier and and growing in a direction you want to grow when you're not clear about them. And let's say you go to the bar with your friends because you don't want them to feel bad, but you don't want to be there. What happens? You get really resentful and you get all passive aggressive And then we don't really know what's going on. People are mad and there's all this like lame, unspoken stuff. Whereas if you just set a damn clear boundary, said, I'm not going to the fucking bar with you tonight because I'm not drinking and I love you to death. Let's go out for coffee tomorrow. That's a lot better. Mm -hmm. You know, so I just think there's a real misunderstanding about boundaries and we're so skittish about standing up for ourselves. I mean, it really always comes back to self-love and being able to stand in our power because we all know what it's like when we meet somebody who's really confident, who really loves themselves, who's who's very clear and unapologetic about what they need. It doesn't mean they don't love you. They're just taking care of themselves. And when you take care of yourself, you have more time to, and energy to to take care of the people around you. It's just, it's it's so interesting how we go straight into fear and insecurity so quickly. Yeah, and you know, a lot of the people who are listening to this podcast are, like I said, stepmoms. And boundaries is a huge thing when it comes to step parenting. I bet. And, you know, dealing with the ex or if, especially mm-hmm. if it's a high conflict situation, what you will and will not do when it comes to your relationship with your stepchildren, respect all the things. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's important to touch on that too because – it's not just about boundaries with your friends or people who are in, you know, you you have a good relationship with. It's about boundaries around those toxic relationships and what you will and will not allow in your life. Absolutely. And Absolutely. Yeah. That's where I think we get a really, really stuck too, because we're trying to be everything to everyone. Mm-hmm. And you can't you can't have good habits and set good boundaries by by trying to please everyone. It goes back to what was that quote from your book? Because I did write it down. Actually, it's in my quote book now. When it comes to boundaries, you are there for people, but you just set it. Oh, uh, you're responsible to other people, not for other people. Right. So like you're responsible to them. Yeah. But you're not responsible for their reactions. If they want to freak out and throw a temper tantrum and say you're a horrible stepmom, that's actually none of your business. You know, and and again, like I also think you don't have to be an expert at these things right out of the gate. Like you set a boundary and you see how it goes. Like you don't know what you're doing, but you know, you know, you can really rely on your intuition and really sit and spend some time with it. I think the problem is, is we don't really sit down and think, okay, what am I available for? What am I not? It takes five minutes to get really clear on it. And then you feel the emotion around it. You, you sit with it and then you take it out to the world and you can, you know, you can course correct if it's not working or if you realize you've made a mistake. But I think the key is with all of this is to sit down just for a couple of minutes and get into some very specific ideas and strategies and thoughts and beliefs and, and move forward with it. I think we just wing it too often and just hope for the best. You know? mm, pen to paper can go a long way, just oh, like no. getting yeah. it all out there. Yeah. So last question for you. If someone listening to this is like, okay, this was good. This was good. Uh, mindset. I need to be who I want to be. And they're feeling motivated. They want to make some changes in 2021, which I think that everyone wants to make some changes in 2021. Um, what other than buying your book, 
What's the most <laughs> important thing that they should focus on? Buying all my books. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, no, honestly, I, buy most, all her freaking books because they're really good. <laughs> uh, the most important thing, well, you know, I say this all the time, but I just can't come up with a better answer. So I'm just going to say it again. Doing the thing that scares you the most. Mm-hmm. Going through the processes that we've been talking about, you know, becoming aware of what your story is, changing your story, um, getting into specifics, all that stuff. But I think really when it comes down to it, you're going to get an intuitive hit or an opportunity is going to present itself or a conversation is going to have to happen that you're so not going to want to do. But you know, in your gut, it would be really good. Mm -hmm. And that is in that split second, you've got to be like, I'm doing it because I'm serious about growing and I'm serious about making my life better and I'm doing it. So you've got to look for the the thing that scares the hell out of you that you know is the right thing to do instead of looking for the excuse not to do it. Yeah. And you know, it really helps me in those situations because I can, you know, like everyone, you're just like, ah, I don't know. Ask yourself, what's the worst thing that can happen? Mm. I'm going to do this. It's freaking scary. I feel sick to my stomach about it. Um, It's out of my comfort zone. What's the worst thing that can happen? Okay. Then what am I going to do? Okay. Then I'm still going to be fine. Still going to live a good life. Yep. Okay. All right. Like, you know what I mean? Like just processing through what, what happens if. Yep. Love it. Okay. Thank you so much, Jen. I have to say you are definitely, you know, I was telling you this before we hopped on, but you are one of my favorite authors. You are part of my morning routine very, very often. And I'm going to link all of your books for everyone below because (laughs) Honestly, if you can't afford coaching right now, if you're sitting there being like, I want to invest and start taking baby steps, these are the books for you. Well, thank you so much. This was a blast. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much for your time. All right. Yeah. Take care. Okay, guys, if you like this podcast, please do me a little favor. Take a second and subscribe on iTunes and then screenshot this podcast. Give it a share in social media and tell your friends what you think. And hey, don't forget to tag me so that I can thank you for helping me spread the word. Thanks so much. And I will talk to you next week.